listening to 2XXFM 98.3. The program is Subject ACT, exploring local current affairs from a curious and independent gaze. I'm Becca Posterini. Today I meet President of Tugnarong Community Council, Glenis Patolny, who shares her insights on what is important to locals in the lead-up to the ACT election. The Tugnarong Lake and a proposed plastic factory are some of the issues we'll discuss today. I also meet with Principal of Independent Property Group Gongalan, Paul Corazza, who sheds light on the new Malabar development in Dixon and the various issues and opportunities this new development presents. Property development is viewed from various angles, particularly for many local communities within the ACT, and Paul's perspectives bring significant insights broadening the conversation. Stay with us now to meet President of Tugnarong Community Council, Glenis Batolny. You're listening to 2XXFM 98.3 on Local Current Affairs Program, Subject ACT. I'm Becca Postorino. Good morning, Glenis Patoni, President of Tugnarong Community Council. Welcome to the program. Lovely to be here. What are the most important issues for the Tugnarong community? Well, it's very interesting because um, we've decided a few months ago to have a run a survey to mm-hmm. find that out because we'd had a number of issues for a number of years and we've been starting to tick some of those things off. What are people currently worried about? And it's, it's quite interesting. So the biggest issue is something that we actually knew about was the quality of water in the lake, Tuggeranong. That's actually been a very big issue for a number of years. We've been lobbying on it and, in fact, we've just got $27 million from the federal and ACT government to help do something about it. It won't completely solve it, but it will make a significant difference, we hope. So that's our top issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've had other, other issues like local jobs in the economy, public transport, crime and community. I think that's mainly graffiti. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's a whole lot of issues that we've got a lot of comment. You know, but at the biggest one, as I said, it's the lake and then jobs and local economy. The young people tell us they want somewhere to go after yes. dark for young people that's safe. They can talk to each other, socialise, do their homework, etc., etc. So, in your role as the president of the Tugnarong Community Council, how vital are volunteers for the advocacy of community issues and opportunities to the ACT government? Oh, look, I think it's critical. We're actually a very vocal community here in Canberra. <laughs> and I think it's good because Absolutely. we actually say what we feel, we say what affects us. Um, we have volunteers that help in lots of ways, like all the council is volunteers, and we're so thrilled that in our last election, only last month, only this month, I should say, <laughs> we've actually got a couple of young people have come on. We've got a new, younger, young mother who's taking on our mm. health and education and community subcommittee, who's really keen, who knows about Facebook, and we've got a young secretary who's a, who lives and works in the area, he's got his own business, and they've now got us on Facebook, you know, yeah. so <laughs> they're actually starting to really promote some of the things sure. we're doing, and it's great to get that fresh perspective. I'm also chair of the Southern ACT Catching Group, which is land care and water watch in the area, mm-hmm. and they're volunteers. Mm-hmm. So they go out and they do so much work that basically the ACT government can't afford to mm-hmm. pay people to do. Without you, we, we really wouldn't have that voice and that communication mm-hmm. uh, channel back from community to government and business. Look, I think it's really important. Some people say, well, the community councils are just a mouthpiece for government. Uh, we're not. We do an analysis. They, yes, they approach us to tell them certain things. But uh, when I did an analysis of over the last 12 months, only a few occasions that's happened. And a lot of occasions, 
we've either asked them to come and tell us about something or we have actually looked and said, well, what do we want the community, what do you think the community might be interested in? For example, last um, December, we invited the rural bushfire people. What mm. can we do in case of bushfires? Sure. And in winter, we invited ActuAGL to come and tell us about how can you save energy but keep warm in winter? <laughs> so we're, we're trying to mix it up mm. with what we think the community wants to learn about PUS to make sure they're informed about what's happening, mm. you know, around. What are the key issues and opportunities more broadly for the ACT community at large in the lead-up to the ACT election? Well, I think it's a way of, of, of perhaps highlighting some of the issues which sometimes in between elections <laughs> they get sort of <laughs> on the back burner. Yes. It, it ra- allows us to, to, to raise some of the real concerns and in fact, from Tuggeron's point of view, as I said, the big one was the, the lake. Mm. And then what they wanted is the vibrant town centre. And some of the group centres are pretty, like Canberra, it mm. uh, really needs a lot of work done to it. Sure. Um, also things like bike and pedestrian, you know, the usual sort of stuff. Yes. Because I think sometimes we've got to bring the government down to earth about what needs to be done and maintained. Mm. I know there's a big emphasis on, on the new developments and mm. all this stuff, but you've got to, you can't do that at the expense of maintaining you know, what's happening around, around the Absolutely. town. Absolutely. Transparency and consultation has been discussed with other community leaders uh, within the community councils. How important is it for government, community and the business sector to have that transparency and consultative approach in communication? I think it's really important, but it's interesting your concept of communication. There's two ways of doing it. One, you can consult when there's a basic idea and actually from that consultation come up with a plan. Lots of groups do that. Another one is that you actually come up with an idea, develop it to a point and then take it out to consultation. Yes. And now unfortunately it's usually the second that happens mm. and the government comes up with an idea, has done a bit of it, goes out for consultation. Then we'll, to a large extent, in lots of cases, we'll modify it according mm. to the opinion. But a lot of community want to sort of get in at the, you know, the ground. And that seems to be the common trait, speaking to many community council chairs and presidents, that there is that lack of consultation through the entirety of the process mm. because there may be that initial consultation, may, may be the initial consultation is there, but it's not consistent and it's not, it doesn't follow through. Would you, what are your Look, thoughts it, on that? There's some yes and some no. And I'll give you an example of a great consultation with, as I think I mentioned before, water quality in Lake Toganong. Well, there's a new, the water authority, the water in the policy people. We've been negotiating with them for years. And when they were coming up with some of their plans of what they can do, we were actually consulted right from the start. In fact, you can almost say over consultation. It's been great. They've yes. been fantastic. Other consultation, as I said, seems to come up after there's been groundwork done. And then people feel that they've not been consulted at an earlier stage. And another example of this is perhaps the West Greenway proposal. They We heard about it in the paper. Mick Gentleman came, we asked, invited him to t- come and tell us about it. He said it was at just first steps. But as I said, there's a lot of perception of, well, what does that mean? But since then, they've actually formed a community stakeholders group. And so we've had a number of meetings in the area talking it through. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. In our survey, again, majority of the community are against development in West Greenway. What's the sentiment there for the opposition to that? Well, mostly it, the problem is it's a river corridor and that, that the comment was made, there's a lot of sporting groups there. I don't know if you realise it's the biggest, the archery, it's the biggest archery centre in the, in the ACTs in Tokenong. We've got a hockey centre, we've got uh, rugby fields, we've got a dog park 
And they've got a lot of ground. It's quite interesting when they actually put up the map of where they wanted to do this new suburb. By the time you took out the hockey and the dog park and all this sort of stuff, and then we, we once you have residential, you have to put fire trails around. So the time you do that, because it's right above the river and they've spent $85 million altogether throughout the ACT mm. to improve water quality so that the Murrumbidgee River is fine. So they've got to protect the Murrumbidgee. Yes. If they do some protections to try and stop you know, huge erosion to the river, uh, we, the question is how much land is left. So it's been very interesting. You might not realise, but the lake has been officially closed in summer to swimming primary use since 2002. Now, that is many, many years. It's closed every year. It's closed more than, you know, any other area. It is quite severe, you know, so people can do some boating to an extent some, most sometimes. But, for example, last year uh, we've got a um, Sea Scouts on the lake. We have boats, you know, rowing clubs, sailing clubs, etc. Last year they actually had to, in November, their major regatta, they had to use some, do it somewhere else because of the problem with the lake. There's a Three Lakes Triathlon. They swam Lake Tuggeron's one in the swimming pool because they couldn't swim in the lake. So it's really sad. It's a fantastic lake, but certain times, yeah, unfortunately, the times you most want to use it, you have bad smells and algae and it's quite unhealthy. Mm. And that's what we want to see cleaned up. We want to see... We, but we, we need to educate people as well. Mm. I mean, so where of, is this algae coming from? Is it just a characteristic of man-made lakes? or is it, it is partly. I mean, the lake is officially, I suppose, too small for the big catchment area. But also all the drains, every drain, you know, every mm. street drain goes into the lake. Things like street, you know, leaves. And we really need to educate people not to put their leaves down the drain. Everything mm. you wash down the drain, Ends you know, up when you wash your car, goes into the lake. The nutrients, the phosphorus. I mean, we've got a part of, besides doing improvements to try to filter stuff that goes into the lake we also need to educate people the yes. fact that be, be aware of what you put down your drains just don't sweep your leaves into you know the gutters which mm. go into the drains don't wash your car so all that stuff goes into the mm. drains it's a combo thing so we've yes. got to do that education in fact i think they've just organized there's a stormwater education group that's been organized and they're about to try and set up to try and do better education of people about it if we can all work together, then maybe we can one day swim in the lake. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. 2002, that's some yeah. long, hot summers. In, in that's Tuggeron. right. I mean, we, we have people that kayak and it's sometimes the year they just can't get your boats out. The boats come in and they've got all green muck all over the mm. boats and things like that. It's not healthy. My aim is to sort of see when people – the lake is not closed in summer. That would be fantastic. Mm. And who would you be appealing to in local government for some action or some mm. support on that? Well, they've actually been very supportive because we've been working with them for about you know, three or four years now and we've had forums, we've worked very closely with the water people, they've come up with a whole lot of ideas and in fact of the money that's come from the federal government, about a third is going to the lake because it's the biggest issue. They're very aware of it. What they need to do though after this money, and this is a big key thing, when the money is spent, it will only do so much. It's not going to solve the problem overnight. Yes. And the ACT government needs to make sure that it's ongoing maintenance, you know, of the gross pollution traps, all that sort of stuff, mm. and to look at what further actions need to happen. Seems as if there needs to be advertising, broad advertising, not to just Tugnarong community, but to more broadly ACT yeah, yeah. in the way we behave with our drains and oh, yes, yes. in general. Oh, yeah, it is. I think people take our environment for granted and now we've got to realise that uh, if we take it for granted in the long run, we're going to suffer from, mm -hmm. from it. Do you have any upcoming events you'd like to promote? 
the next event that we've got besides our general meeting, which is the 4th of October at the Tuggeranong Vikings Town Centre Club, Town Centre Club. Yes. Um, on the, we're looking at the 23rd of October having a lake clean-up. We've okay. got a actual group called the Tuggeranong Lake Carers and we every six months we have a big lake clean-up. So uh, okay. we're, we're planning that at the moment now. Well, you make sure that you email our manager and we'll get that on Mm, community announcements um, on the 23rd or just before so we can promote that for you. And then the other thing is we've got our youth subcommittee talking about they'd love to have some sort of street markets. So that's something that'll be a bit long because that'll be a big deal. And when's that uh, youth subcommittee? Well, if it goes... TBC. (laughs) Well, it probably won't be until about March next year because it's a big deal if we want to close a street and have a proper street market. But that's just one of the ideas. We've got to work our way through that. You mentioned off-air about NBN in the Tuggeranong Community Council. How's that faring? Well, it's very interesting. As I said, we did our survey with specific questions, but we also added a section for your comments. You know, and it was quite interesting... We hadn't put anything about NBN or internet in that because as a council, we can't really impact too much the federal government. But what came out was, you know, the overwhelming number of people that were concerned about slow internet speeds, you know, no broadband. And it's really concerning in this day and age when more and more people are dependent upon computers and internet. You know, students are often doing their, you know, sending their assignments in. Absolutely. So it's really critical. It's, it's time critical. Yeah. And uh, so that was, that was something that was uh, surprising, but not surprising, if you yes. know what I mean. You also mentioned the overarching issue of consultative processes. Yeah. Look, there was another one that I, I thought should, I should mention, which is something current at the moment, is there's an interesting, which we mentioned at the last meeting, there's a uh, plastics factory being developed okay. at Hume, proposed to be developed at Hume. And again, it's, it's where, when do the, the public come in? How well are we informed? Because there's concerns about the safety, where the stuff is coming from, et cetera, et cetera. And, and from our point of view, we just want to make sure it is safe. If it is going ahead, it is safe for the community and the community is fully involved. And it's, it's again, it's when does the community get involved, how far along the process, and that's the crunch. And they, they do brilliant jobs in some areas, like the water. Other areas, you'd like to be consulted, I think, a little bit earlier. Is there any other issues or concerns, opportunities for Tugner on Community Council that you'd like to discuss before we go? I think we've basically covered all our issues. Yes. I mean, the, the thing that I'm very pleased about is the fact that we're trying starting to get a, a, a range of people attending our meetings. We're getting a range of interest. We're getting young people as well as older people. And um, it's a really exciting time. Yes. Well, Glenis Pulteney, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your views and insights mm. from the Tugnarong Community Council. You're welcome. Thank Thanks. you. You're tuned into 2XFM 98.3 on local current affairs program, Subject ACT. That was President of Tugnarong Community Council, Glenis Patolny, sharing community views in the lead-up to the ACT election. Stay with us now to meet Principal of Independent Property Group Paul Karatza for his insights on property development in the ACT, its limitations and opportunities for local communities. You're listening to 2XXFM 98.3 on Local Current Affairs Program, Subject ACT. I'm Becca Posterino. Welcome to the program, Paul. Good morning, Becca, and to your listeners. The Malabar Complex is under construction now. This is the Malabar Complex in Dixon. What are some benefits that this complex will bring to the local community? Thank you, Becca. Yes, it is. After a short delay due uh, to rain, as I'm sure many Canberra listeners would know, we've had more 
of that than uh, we've ever had before. <laughs> but we are under construction with the basement piers being done. The building itself is a majority of north-facing, which is the widest frontage we've had for many years. Certainly been well received to the marketplace and sales, in our opinion, are going very well. The benefit it brings to the community is, in fact, just the fact that they've got to have over 500 people uh, on its completion brought to that area. The uh, shops downstairs are very varied in its tenancy and in ownership, and we believe that the vibe of the whole area will, in fact, change. As many of the listeners, I'm sure, know that uh, Lonsdale Street recently has gone on the same sort of mix of uh, residential and commercial downstairs. And that has really uh, changed that um, that place. And that's an important thing to note that, uh, of course, there there can be some, I guess, fear of change or some trepidation in regards to change, but change can be an exciting thing and it's how we, I guess, navigate the change as community and, and business owners that really matters. Yes, we're, we're very excited to be bringing the whole project together. The feedback that we've had from not only the buyers, which there is only over uh, currently 140, and of course the lineup that we had for the tenancies downstairs and the purchase of that commercial space, we had interest from the moment the signs went up right through to now and, and still do. Many of those shops were purchased by the existing business owners within that area to, mm-hmm. to grow their businesses and up to date haven't had that opportunity for a new exciting building to go into. Many of those business owners have been there for a long period of time and have obviously enjoyed that trade and that consistency. This has been very exciting both on a commercial side of things and residential. Mm-hmm. The local businesses that were located in the Dixon Precinct in where the Malabar project is now under construction. Uh, what have happened to those businesses and have they had the opportunity to buy back into the Malabar complex and have they? They were the first obviously point of call yes. uh, as the development was purchased with those tenancies in place. The developer worked very well and waited until all of them, probably the most recognisable there was the St Vinnie's store that had been there for well as long as I can remember. And they were actually relocated only a short distance away. Yes. My recollection there, there was a tyre shop and the famous Poe restaurant, yes. which is also relocated only a short distance away into the old El Dorado building there. Certainly the opportunity was given to those people. Unfortunately, the tyre business wasn't one that uh, we could help because the, the way the shop fronts worked. But the others were certainly given that opportunity. And and from recollection, I think one of them has actually purchased uh, one of the commercial spaces downstairs. And if not purchased, certainly is negotiating a lease to go back Mm -hmm. into that spot. Mm -hmm. The footpath between Quality Hotel and the cycle track in Dixon is inaccessible because of the construction. Was a local community consulted considering this is a public space? And I have been told it was a safety issue. Can you just clarify why that footpath is no longer accessible because the speculation as to how it can be absorbed as part of a construction, is it a safety issue? I'll try and answer on behalf of the developer. Uh, As you know, I'm not. I'm purely the agent representing the sales. My understanding is that once the development is complete, that that laneway will certainly be reopened and, in fact, will actually have a larger space to walk through as it as it forms part of the outdoor seating should those tenancies want want that with a fully newly constructed pathway paved area to link up the rear and the front Mm -hmm. yes my understanding is that whilst the excavators and the digging of the basement and in case of any 
um, subsidence or collapse to those areas, it was decided that we would encroach into that paved area. And and certainly I apologise on behalf of the developer for any of your listeners that are being inconvenienced (laughs) there, but it is certainly for their safety. Mm -hmm. Is there an an alternative route for pedestrians to use while, while it is under construction? My understanding to the right-hand side of the site, which is the site closest to the Coventry apartments, there is certainly a a thoroughfare through there, which is just on the other side of the site. I'm thinking in metres, probably 35 metres Mm -hmm. away. I'm not familiar with that particular path, but we'll have to look into that. DAs or development applications are published, the ACT, Environment and Planning website. Do you think this is a sufficient portal to communicate development to the local community? From my understanding, you have to have an awareness that that is where you need to look and you need to be also savvy with the terminology as to what is being built. Do you think it's sufficient for a communication hub? It's been a while since I've been on the site, but certainly uh, if I'm ever looking for information, uh, I found it quite easy to navigate and to get the plans and to go through that. My understanding is well before they're published on there, there are signages, signs put on the site saying it's where those plans can be accessed. Certainly as an agent, if I've ever had a, a consumer call me and ask me about the site, we've been very forthcoming with what's going on there because the last thing that we want to see is then a whole heap of people with unhappy about the proposal we'd rather have that community support as far as the navigation side of things go I'm, I'd have to refer back to the side yes. it's been a while since I've been on it yep. some argue property developers could be more effective with communicating and engaging community in the property development process what are your thoughts on this obviously you're representing property developers what are your thoughts as to how communication travels between community property developers and government Look, I'm sure in some instances that information is closely guarded. I'll talk about the Malabar one. Prior to that DA going in, we in fact invited the community to view and consult the plans. We did a letterbox drop uh, in the surrounding neighbourhood. That was certainly very well received and we in fact changed our planning around that feedback very early on where we incorporated a lot of three-bedroom single-level adaptable units within the complex which I will say we only have the one left, Mm. they were specifically designed for people wanting to downsize from their existing home. So those considerations for us, certainly for myself as an agent, getting that feedback early on is imperative Mm. to a great result at the end. There's no need to build what people don't want. We're all about, obviously, and I'm sure the developer would agree, bringing a product to the market, having a successful result, building that product to to a great quality and then moving on to our next project with the support of our past purchases. Oh, look, I think there's improvement can be put in every area of either development and the end result. It is always a, a juggle as well between the mix of what we're building, the affordability of the area, construction costs, visual outcomes. There's a lot of things to take into consideration. Having been with the industry for 24 years now, I know the importance of that. Yes, answering, there can always be improvements, but how we get to that uh, is always a bit of a a battle. Transparency and consultation regarding property development are regarded as effective strategies, as I've discussed with various community councils, for business, government and community. And I would imagine the balance, as you just said, is tricky. But in the end, the community at large should support these ventures, considering they will be occupying the space property developers produce. Do you think property developers should be engaging in consultation and transparency with community more? I think the developers that we represent in the current marketplace 
do that quite well. We see that where a complex is completed and the majority of the apartments have been taken up, it's only when we get to the end of the project and we've got less than half sold that we probably look back and go, did we do the right thing? But I haven't seen that happen now for, I don't know, probably 15 years. Mm. So it seems that the the a mix between the agency's relationship with the clients, the developer, and then the joining of those forces has ended up in that result already being obtained. And I guess you've been in it for 24 years, you would have noticed before off-air the, the peaks and the troughs of the industry. And it was an interesting conversation we had about some referring to the property market as a boom or a or a glut and you'd prefer to term it as a, as a steady market. Is that how you perceive Canberra or the ACT as a, as a steady market? And, and why do you think it is so steady? Yeah, thank you, Becca. Yes, um, I, I've heard many terms used, as you can imagine. Uh, you <laughs> just said that the, the peaks and troughs and the, and the gluts and all of the oversupply and, and all this sort of almost um, negative talk or, or things like that. Uh, yes, in the ACT, we're very excited about its current place and where it's going. Uh, and all of the ventures that the governments are undertaking at the moment, that consistency of infrastructure and then the consistency with the, you know, Canberra's not unknown for its public service, gives us some assurance that uh, there's a steady growth, and with that growth comes some great sales, some great properties, some great opportunities, as opposed to the highs and lows of other interstate marketplaces. We don't have the... the over influx of overseas buyers which also in our opinion would probably affect the prices in other states so we have that uh, lovely consistency and Canberra's as we all know a wonderful place to live mm-hmm. so we're certainly very excited about what's uh, in, in tow in the future. And just finally the opportunity that is very topical at the moment the light rail does property developers does the industry at large support a light rail considering it will impact those suburbs that are undergoing uh, redevelopment at the moment. Is that something that you yourself and members within your industry would support? Yes. Look, um, it's been a topic uh, of much discussion. My opinion, and I can, it's hard to speak for everybody yes. else, is I'm very excited about the light rail. Uh, whether that light rail in its current state from Gungahlin to the city and without, without and, and hopefully there are plans for the airport, parliamentary triangle uh, and the north south side once all of that comes together what an opportunity Mm. sitting in traffic uh, as an agent (laughs) uh, I get to sit uh, in my little mobile office uh, more than most and the frustrations of either getting in and out of Gungahlin is just unbelievable but I'm sure we're all working to the same at the same Mm. end but yeah um, having many discussions with my with my colleagues and developers Hopefully, the plans of the the airport, as I said, Parliamentary Triangle and Southside, are also incorporated. Mm-hmm. And looking forward to that sooner rather than later. Just finally, is there anything else that you wanted to mention about Malabar? You certainly have this platform. You, you've given us our time and some insights from your perspective. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention? Look, thank you. Um, yes, I will. Uh, the opportunity there uh, for a investor or live-in owner, in our opinion, is one of the first uh, to be brought to that area where you could purchase a two-bedroom, two-bathroom property uh, north-facing for 429000 That sort of pricing and what it brings to the marketplace, 
If your listeners haven't uh, popped into our display suite uh, on site on Cape Street or contacted one of our independent group officers, I can only encourage you to do so as uh, we believe it represents excellent value in the marketplace. The plans themselves have been very well considered. The exterior uh, and how it all comes together uh, in that Dixon precinct uh, is certainly very exciting. Thank you, Becca, for the opportunity to uh, talk to yourself and your viewers this morning. Thanks, Paul Carazzo of Independent Property Group, the principal of Gungarland Office. Thank you for your time. Thank you. You're tuned into 2XXFM 98.3 on local current affairs program Subject ACT. That was my interview with principal of Independent Property Group Gungarland, Paul Carazza, who discussed property development in the ACT and how it shapes our local communities. Next week, I speak to more community council leaders who will help shape our community view in the lead-up to the ACT election. Tomorrow, more insights from Tuesday's presenter, Doug Dobing. Coming up next, Community Radio Network's topical storytelling, All the Best. Tune in each weekday on 98.3 2XXFM or listen live at www.2XXFM.org.au backslash listen. I'm Becca Postorino, executive producer of the program Subject ACT. Have a wonderful day.